Are we recording yet? No? Are we recording yet? What? Well, maybe it wouldn't have worked, you know? You got three or four coyotes around you, and <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that. But, well, yeah, yeah, that probably would have worked. Well, now we know. If you're just joining us, this is the Tim Talk Show. We're talking about getting out those tough grass stains, and our caller has just given up smoking for fear of igniting the bleach. The worst part is, the brush is dangerous, don't you know? The grass is huge. Yeah. Um, th- uh, thank you, caller. Oh, wait, I... And speaking of those tough-to-clean stains, remember to use Tithe detergent in every load. Tithe, if you've got clean sheets, you've got a clean conscience. And now, a word from our parent company. Do you need new parents? Then come on down to a real mom-and-pop shop, all free-range How long? 45 seconds. Can I... Yeah. What? Uh, nothing. Just apply pressure. You're doing fine. It's just, uh... Slow, even breaths. This Japanese, uh, demon voice... Can you see me? Keeps bugging me. Back in five... Seems to... Three, two... Something I was gonna do. Huh, the pod convergence lever. Just gonna pull this lever here. Hey, don't pull that lever. I wasn't going to. Dead air. Let's take a call. Oh, hey, it's me again. Oops, lost that one. Remember, whether you're sliding around on your head or you're trying to confound a clever hat, it's got to be Jackson's scalplights for that irresistible dome piece slide. Uh, 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 Jackson's, you never got granddad unwedged so quick by demons acting up and whispering a corner up fast. I'm just going to give this a quick tug. Don't touch that lever. I didn't. God, you're such a nag. On the third day, Eliab, son of Helon, the leader of the people of Zebulon, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130... Are you tired of those same old Bible stories? Looking for some fresh divinity in those dusty old pages? Huh? Well, look no further. It's the Choose Your Own Adventure Bible. To see Cain kill Abel, turn the page. To see Abel kill Cain? Wowee! Hundreds of new combinations. To see Moses fight the Benjaminites, turn to page 423. To see him get swallowed by a fish. New contexts. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. And Jesus said, yay. And new conclusions to jump to. To see God condemn murder, turn to page 446. To see him command the slaughter of Philistines, turn to page 62. Or 48. Or 173. Yay, kill them! Yay, kill the Philistines! 
Oh, you kids. You'll be amazed what you can pull out of the Bible. To see Goliath help Jesus confront the money changers, turn to page 587. Wow, so welfare is a sin! Yes, sir, make history your plaything with the Choose Your Own Adventure Bible. Because you're picking and choosing anyhow. Flu season is just around the corner. But just how safe are those flu shots? We'll take a closer look tonight on the latest segment of Investigative Ambush. First up, vaccines, myths, and other myths. I'm Gerald Wallace. In 2012, everyone knew that vaccines caused autism. What went wrong? Andrew Wakefield's research paper originally linking vaccines to autism has been called an egregious and irresponsible medical hoax by some. However, so-called skeptics want to brush aside incongruence in their own research. For example, the National Academy of Science claims to have disproved the Wakefield paper, but their own report was published in 12-point Times New Roman font rather than the standard 11-point Area Bold, a blatant violation of publishing standards. Well, the margins were way off. Spacing, double spacing, it was just an editing nightmare. And we're left holding the bag. Subsequent groundbreaking anecdotal research and GeoCities publications have fully vindicated Wakefield's research, linking vaccines to leprosy, muscular sclerosis, and full-blown AIDS. These findings are corroborated by Harvard medical student Timothy Bates, whom we spoke to while he was getting lunch at his favorite taco stand. Well, there you have it. We needed to get to the truth behind the suffering caused by the vaccine industrial complex. To see what it's like to be a hollow shell of a human being struggling to survive, we interviewed Larry Johnson, an autistic man, as he was retrieving his morning paper. What do you have to ah. say to Big Pharma for turning you into a guinea pig of their insidious genetic engineering agenda? Get off my lawn, you're trampling my Nandinas. We asked what it was like to live with autism the horrific condition needlessly inflicted upon people by a definitively proven correlation to vaccines. I, what? It's fine. I, I'm fine. I mean, living with autism has its challenges, but it's okay. I mean, I'm an assistant manager of a Dunkin' Donuts. Assistant? Is this what you want for your children? Hey. There we have it. Another lingering soul, acting out the ultimately futile dance clinging to some semblance of a normal life after being butchered and mangled by the Dr. Moreau's of Big Pharma. But where did vaccines, these chemicals of despair, originate? Sure, the scientists tell us science, but who sciences the scientists? Jonas Salk, the twisted mind behind the deadly neurotoxin, opened Pandora's box when he invented the polio vaccine in 1955, and it's all been downhill from there. During his interview with Edward R. Murrow, Salk was asked who owned the patent to his invention, to which he said, Well, the people, I, I would say, there is no patent. This is, could you patent the sun? <laughs> What's that, commie? After cleaning up this footage with our modern computers, it sounded more like this. Now that I've invented this horrible polio vaccine, I can patent the sun and charge people for its light. <laughs> To try to get some modern footage of these communists at work, I went undercover to investigate a free clinic in inner-city Detroit, 
to confront these malicious vaccine peddlers. Cheerio, American woman. I have come all the way from Britain to ask, why are you forcing all of your patients to get vaccines? Governor? Uh, we're not. We won't leave until we have the truth. Um, I'm sorry, sir, but if you're not a patient, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. So she denied our claims. However, shortly after, she went on a smoke break because she was, quote, tired of jackasses with cameras. But we didn't see any around. So how can we trust anything she says? Sounds like she's just another jackbooted Gestapo thug of Big Pharma. Luckily, we followed the director of this insidious free clinic back to his car. Sir? Ah! Look, uh, I don't keep narcotics on me. Just take my wallet. What do you have to say about records we obtained indicating you keep your kickbacks from Big Pharma in offshore bank accounts? What? Give me that. This is a receipt for a dry cleaners. At that point, the director admitted the candid truth, not realizing we were brilliant investigative journalists out to expose his nefarious plot. But to get to some real answers, I was going to have to go to the top. So I found a PR spokesman from Big Farmer, who finally agreed to talk to us once we lied and told him we had cocaine. We have no comment at this time concerning the alleged connection between Zapraxacor and bloody painful ejaculations in patients. No, I uh, actually want to ask you about your conspiracy to make money off of vaccines. Vaccines? <laughs> we don't make any money off of that shit. Uh, here, have some pens. The Constitution guarantees the right hey, my coke, to freedom, and some patriots choose to oppose the government shoving vaccines down our throats and our children's throats by exercising their God-given right to expose children to disease. Well, the bottom line is that vaccination is against my religion. And, um, what's your religious denomination? I worship Pahat Sakamag. What? Pahat Sakamag, the bringer of pestilence, the alien scorpion god whose insect-like minions known as Ashan inhabit the planet Shagai, orbiting twin emerald suns paying homage to Azathoth, the blind... Having not conformed to our preconceived narrative, this interview was immediately abandoned. So instead, we tried to meet up with Hollywood movie stars and truth advocates Chad Cruz and Katherine Cruz-Smith. Unfortunately, though they wanted to meet with us, they were too busy on the set of their new film, Transformers vs. Chipmunks 3, Rise of the Galactic Smurf Crusade. But with us tonight, in an exclusive interview, is their 12-year-old son, Moon Crystal, who is living a proud, unashamed, vaccine-free life. How are you doing, Moon Crystal? I'm dying of polio. How the fuck do you think I'm doing? And no one's telling you how to do it. You're welcome. How does it feel to be the child of free-thinking heroes who challenge the status quo? What the hell are you talking about? I live in fucking Beverly Hills, and our vaccination rates are as low as South Sudan. My parents have a net worth of three billion. Three billion! You know what I had for lunch this morning? A plate of stinging nettle roots. Stinging nettle roots. Because my mom's dietician says we're on a vegan raw food paleo diet now, and they're high in antioxidants. You know what a paleo diet is, right? It's a fucking caveman diet. From the fucking Stone Age, when people's life expectancy was like 30. Do you know what it's like to sneak out of your home and have to ask the clerk at the drugstore how to make bootleg whooping cough vaccines? The worst part isn't the crippling polio or the measles or watching your BMI plummet from eating nothing but sassafras bark. No, you know what the worst part is? I'll tell you. You know what I got for Christmas? 
a child's antique wooden spice rack. I'm not a greedy kid. I just want a fucking Game Boy. It doesn't even have to be color. Well, I'd rather have a spice rack than a government tracking mind control chip in my blood. What? <sighs> you people, you're criminals. You're enabling this insanity. You're appealing to people's basest superstitions. And not harmless superstitions like kissing a rabbit's foot or reading your horoscope or believing Beyonce doesn't have ass implants. No, you're telling people to kill their children through medical neglect as an act of pointless defiance. When will the big pharma fat cats hear your inspiring message that you can live a life without vaccines? If only Andrew Wakefield could see you now, how proud he'd be. Oh God, I'm so cold. Please, if anyone's listening out there, please send me a care package of aspirin and Slim Jims. And maybe, maybe one of those old LCD handheld games, if you have one lying around. I'm looking at you, Africa. Oh, Jesus, I'm so cold. Well, there you have it. There's just as much proof that vaccines are harmful as there is that Transformers vs. Chipmunks 3 is the number one movie in America. Starscream, you'll never stop me and Smurfette from going to the prom. And how do you intend to stop me? With a little help from me. Papa Smurf! Well, that sure looks worth my money. Stay tuned for more Investigative Ambush. When we get back, we'll blow the lid off of Yuletide terrorism and some local threats you might not be afraid of. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Weekend Intrigue. I'm your host, Twilling Skoll. Today, the downsides of printing your next phone. We take a closer look at the ranging plankton debate and the troubling truth about Montessori dog schools. But first, our guest today is from the MIT Institute of Cubicism, author of the best-selling book, Look to the Cube, The Four Sides of Harmony, parentheses, the top and bottom doesn't count. Please welcome Xander Davies. Hello, Twillings. Good to be here. Xander, your book is a national seller. It has received critical acclaim from the Post and the Times. It was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize, too. And your theory was recently referred to by Jim Parsons as quantum. I've read it twice now, and it is, in a word, irrefutable. Well, thank you. But, of course, most of the credit goes to Dr. Jean Ray, the wisest human, and the original doctor of cubicism, to whom I was only a student while well, he still taught at MIT. Yes, and for our listeners who don't know, Dr. Jean Ray, the creator of TimeCube, was killed earlier this year, trying to leave the atmosphere in a craft of his own design. Yes, it's very sad. And in your book, you postulate that yours and uh, Dr. Ray's work is... Uh, having real and immediate benefits on society here in the U.S., and perhaps the world. Tell me more. Well, because of a recent reallocation of funds in the MIT Physics Department, we've been given the opportunity to dig deeper into cubicism, you know, really dive into it. We're working the long hours. We're asking the tough questions. We're on social media. And what we're finding 
is that TimeCube has as many as 50 new followers. Wow. Yeah. And that's this month alone. And it's increasing at a rate of 17.8% a month. Viewership is trending upwards at a rate of 23.5%. And Twitter followers are increasing at a staggering rate. Hashtag TimeCube, hashtag Harmonic Truth. I mean, the tweet tag relation matrix is curving almost exactly parallel, with 4.3% over the top side, so yeah. <laughs> and those are real numbers, Twill. That's real impact. Well, well, obviously, the implication here is huge. I mean, this could be the makings of some historic social change. Exactly. In fact, if our Instagram continues on a rate of 5-point strat quote increased stratified viewership for the quarter... We could be looking at some serious social change on the levels of uh, Ed Snowden or Balloon Boy. Now tell me, your book has obviously done well, but the same can't be said for some of your previous work, including Time Cube, Think Outside the Cube. Why do you think that is? Well, the funding wasn't there. I mean, we already had the theory. It just needed to be put together. Sure, we knew that there were four simultaneous 24-hour days, you know, we knew that uh, minus one times minus one equaled minus one, right? Uh, we knew that circles didn't exist. But it wasn't until we started getting grant money. You know, we got on campus, we got in the labs, we started making social media pages, we hired someone to manage all of those pages, then we fired them because we don't need them, we can do it ourselves, you know, and we bind us firing them, put it on Instagram, and then boom, you know? Suddenly TimeCube just clicked with the millennials. Dr. Davies, I'm just going to say it. The biggest question on the minds of Americans. Sure. What does this mean for the Trump campaign? Sure. Well, Twill, it means a lot. You know, he's already taking advantage of the four separate simultaneous days to essentially quadruple his campaign presence. He got a big boost in the polls when he announced his public education plan to swap cube class for European history. He's basically reorganized his entire campaign structure into a cube. I'm not sure I understand. Exactly. I mean, this is a guy who knows that the Earth has four corners, with four simultaneous different days, you know? He knows we're living in a world of opposites. And of course, he made recent headlines with what I'm referring to as the tweet heard around the world. Right. And I believe for our listeners that you're referring to Donald Trump's recent controversial Twitter post in which he stated, Bush and Clinton are opposites and therefore cancel each other out. There is no energy there. You don't have two candidates. You've got a red candidate and a blue candidate and they're opposites. So what do you get when you add them? You get zero. There's no energy. They're stupid and evil. TimeCube is the first thing I've read on the internet that makes any sense. And it goes on from there. Yes. He's certainly ruffled some feathers in Washington with that one. But he's won his way into the hearts and minds of the young people. And, and they are, historically, you know, the most motivated voters. So did uh, TimeCube clench the election for Trump? It's hard to say. He probably already had it locked up anyway. But yes, yes, it did. Well... There you have it. Burgeoning discoveries in the fourth dimension leading to real results in the lives of Americans and in the life of Donald Trump. Don't go away. Coming up in a depth look at the raging debate between plankton and krill and why the discriminating well cares. 
And when we return, the emerging ethical crisis blown open in a small Kentucky town's Montessori dog school. Oh, I got the syllabus, and I just couldn't believe how little the Holocaust was mentioned. After they break. Kids, hot dogs are ready. Oh, Mom, hot dogs again. I thought you loved hot dogs. They're so boring and hard to eat. Well, here, try this. New from the makers of Cheese Whiz, it's Dog Whiz. It's got all your favorite hot dog stuff in one place. Ketchup, mustard, and miscellaneous meat trimmings, all blended and pressurized into one easy squeezy spray. You can squirt Dog Whiz right into your mouth. No bun necessary. Cheapers, that was easy. And tasty. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> no problem, kids. Dog Whiz. And try our new flavors, Vienna sausage and mustard and chipotle veal. Welcome to the Free to Playground, the weekly podcast where we review the most popular free to play games. This week, we review Warframe, the fast paced action shooter from developer Digital Extremes. I'm Sean, and our guest reviewer today is senior technical contributor Calvin Threepwood. Cal? Calvin? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yes, I'm, I'm here. Uh, what is it? Uh, well, why don't you tell the people a little about the game? Uh, sure. Let's see here. Uh, Warframe, published March 25, 2013 by Digital Extremes. Available on personal computers, Xbox some number, PlayStation another number, video game console machines. Review over. Oh, 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 uh, very, very funny, Cal. Yeah, Cal is also our uh, senior joke contributor. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, well, what about the content? What about it? It's a third-person action shooter about space ninjas. Well, this game is just another in a long line of flashy, vapid pulp. I mean, just look at those graphics. Well, yeah, they're pretty good, aren't they? <laughs> Glaringly overcompensating... For what? Well, how about the lack of a text-based decision-making engine, for one thing? How about the loss of multi-user interaction? Exploring a dungeon? Why are we talking about those kinds of games? Well, you know, there are different kinds of games. Some have multi-interaction, whatever, and some are just games. It would be an act of charity to give this bread and circus simulator anything above a three. Come on, Cal, that paints a pretty poor picture of Warframe. I mean, we're not even going to score the game until we've discussed all the aspects. It scored uh, poorly on the says scale, to say the least. The says... See, easy. The comprehensive equivalence to Zork. That's not one of the criteria. The says is the you best modern that. system we have you for said understanding you wanted to be a and the game's comparability me. to Zork. No one plays Zork anymore. Pfft. No. Unfortunately not. 
Modern games media has ruined the integrity of video games by not giving enough coverage to real games. Like Narf Tower. Oh, God. Narf Tower is a classic construction and management simulation with an interactive text-based decision engine. Cal! 30 years ago, I helped create it and have been playing ever since. It was modded from a 1973 beta version of the Oregon Tra Surprise! Nobody cares about Gnarf Tower, or Zork, or any other stupid text-based mud game. That's why we're reviewing an interesting game like Warframe. Cal, you promised me you'd keep your mind on Warframe. Please, just for like the next five minutes, okay? Just, just what we're reviewing. Please? Alright, Sean. You know what? I'm sorry. I swear that I will try my best. Great. Okay, so uh, the game takes place in the distant future where humans have colonized the solar system. You play as a Tenno. Capitalis, the capital of higher Earth God, the best trading hub in the Seven Plains, and the most dangerous. Above in the heavens, a Dregelhawk lists on the Capitalian winds. Beneath, the Narfs toil upon the surface of a massive gymnarium cache. Endlessly working the loads, extracting the ore, the purest of which will be added to the gleaming edifice of Fort Dwarfdress. Yes, work here is hard, but satisfying. Why, after a long day of breaking his back on a load, a Narf can feel proud of what he's accomplished. They've been known to gather at the tavern to drink, and, and even to sing. Ha ha ha! Can you imagine that? Why, just Back, one thing the game is sorely it. lacking is a way to shut Ortis up. Oh, Tower of Norfs, your gaming's cure. Cal. Heavy Cal. fall your hammers Cal. on Cal. the nuts of the impure. Oh, Tower. Cal! What are you doing? I'm reviewing the game. Which game? The, uh, the, the picture frame one. You don't even know. Whichever one we were doing, Sean, whatever I was just talking about. You were talking about Gnarf Tower. Well, yeah, well, maybe we ought to be reviewing Narf Tower. No, wait. Are you playing it right now? No. No, Cal. We talked about this. You're not allowed to play other games while we're reviewing. I know. Remember? Remember what Bill talked about? I know. Come on. Every Thursday afternoon for like six weeks. I know you don't want to go back there, buddy. Uh, well, I'm not going back there, so... Just... promise me you'll think about what Bill said. Sean, listen. Yeah? Are you listening? Yes! I promise to do just that with all my heart. All right. All right, so... Gameplay-wise, uh, Warframe is a third-person... As I scroll across the horizon, I encounter Gorgoloth journeying across the Earth Guardian countryside to his home in Fort Dwarftress. Riding upon the back of his noble steed, a majestic saber-toothed Tygon named Tyganardo. The beauty of the landscape, the setting of the twin Fendor suns behind the city heights, it's almost too beautiful. A dramatic score change from the south gains the attention of some peasants outside the gates. Hmm. Seems a herd of she-bears has migrated near the fort to graze. Hmm. Grazing very near. Wait a minute. They're not grazing. 
Again, nothing happens. They're attacking! Whoa, Cal! Cal! Shut the Calvin! Gates. Those outside Calvin. are already dead! Calvin! Yourselves. Are we you there! Rouse the Wizard of Frobaz! Live? Ah! No, God, no! They're breaking through! Can, Pull can back to the keep! Back yeah, to Fort Dwarfdress! Yeah, yeah, okay, Seal them! Seal Jesus. the gates! Calvin, calm Pulls to down. the doors with the bodies Did of the just, dead! Like, calm down for two seconds! No, Sean, you shut up. I don't have time to look at your stupid picture frame. I'm dealing with some serious shit here. Sure. If I can't execute the gate bar maneuver, the city square will be ripe for the picking. Sure. And if you were a real friend, you'd be trying to help me. Real friend? Ah, I've been trying to get this review bears. pod off the ground for months, and you Release begged and begged to be a part of it. I'd have said no if Release I knew you were just going to play guitar. You all, please, Sean, let me do it. No. Pokemon Snap all over it. Uh, oh, good. Bill's here. Calvin. Bill. Bill, really? You brought Bill in? Calvin. I want you to take a deep breath. Damn it. God damn you, Sean. Calvin, rap with me. Why don't you just tell me what's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on, Bill. <laughs> what's going on is that my Narf Tower is pretty well fucked. Alright? And right now, I'm laying that on you. I thought we agreed that games like Gnarf Tower were risky behavior. Sean, will you get Bill the fuck out of here? Alright, all Cal. Alright. No, no! Everything's falling apart! Yeah. yeah, watch your eyes this time. Okay, he's, he's gone, Cal. Calm down now. No! He's gone. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's all gone! Well... Now maybe we can focus on the review. No, Sean, you don't understand. I've kept this game going for 27 years. The original party was modded from a game of Oregon Trail that I started in 1988. Of course, they didn't all make it. Annabelle died of dysentery and Malachi died fording a river, but Gorgoloth went on to conquer the seven plains of Aetheros. I've known him longer than I've known my stepdad. Jesus, <laughs> I'm sorry for your loss. I took him to the Oregon coast. Cal. And all planes beyond. What about the review? Uh, I give it about a 10. Really? Sure, why not? What does a 10 mean? Okay. What does anything mean? Nothing. All right. Well... That's going to do it for uh, this week's review. No, Bill, no. Thanks for tuning in to what will undoubtedly be our last show. Thanks. Lisa, get him out of here. Right? We're fired, right? Because he's a dickhead. Well, that's all the time we have for our show. Join us next time. Are we off? Well, that's all the time we have for our show. Join us next time. Kev?
Hey, how we doing? Alright, alright, alright. Hey, Kevlon, time to make the donuts, am I right? Damn it, Tim! Why did you pull the damn lever? I don't know, you get a call in sometimes, you do some lever pulling. I mean, who knows why anybody- Now our pod's trajectory is crossed with another one, some Japanese morning show. We're gonna crash into it! Hey, spare me the techno battle, will you? We're gonna crash into it! You know, guy, I've got problems of my own. I just talked for 26 minutes straight. And I've got, yeah. hang on, I've got something else going on too. We're gonna crash in about 10 seconds. Just, uh, can't remember. You have nothing else going on. All the cross. Right, some whack job pulled the pod convergence lever in. What up?